T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Hit and run with Matt Spiegel. You know, I think both of us, certainly I do, listen to a lot of sports radio. Matt Spiegel got on with some takes that were pure gold. Sundays, 9 a.m. to noon. Driven in the air toward right field. Pretty well hit. Back goes Acuna. It's got a chance. Gone. Opposite field. Home run for Wilson Contreras. That ball is gone. Wilson Contreras homers again. This ball's got a chance. Gone. Run Homer Javier Baez. Bryant swings and launches one to deep left field. It's gone. A two-run home run. This is hit in the air to deep left field. This is gone. David Bodie crunches a three-run home run. Swing and a high drive to deep left field. This ball's got a chance. Gone. Get out the tape measure for Chris Bryant. A booming home run to straightaway left. Where did all this come from? In our game of baseball, Matt. It's time for Hit and Run with your host, Matt Spiegel. Hey, I can sing along. You know why I can sing along? Because I'm in the studio. I can sing along with the low brass. For those of you um, playing along at home, good morning, everybody. It is Matt Spiegel on the Score's venerable baseball show, Hit and Run, a two-team town where both teams find themselves six and eight. What does it mean? What does it mean? Six and eight is, eh, you're not terrible, but it's not been real good. How do they both end up here in the same place? It's not the way that it is often felt. We have lots to talk about with the White Sox and the Cubs and three hours to do it. Uh, The Cubs play a night game tonight. They are this Sunday nighter against the Atlanta Braves. It'll be Kyle Hendricks going up against Bryce Wilson tonight. The White Sox with a split seven inning doubleheader in Boston to make up for the rainout on Friday I know that Tanner Houck and Martin Perez are going for the Red Sox in their two games. We've got Dallas Keuchel going in the afternoon tilt for the White Sox. I haven't seen the White Sox starter listed for the second game for the nightcap. We'll check that out. I wonder exactly what they're going to do. Do you know the Red Sox are the second best team in baseball right now? By virtue, at least, of record. Oh, and also by virtue of run differential. A lot of that is their offense, which is just outrageous. 
They've won 10 of 11, have the Red Sox, and you saw it yesterday. You saw the nature of those at-bats. If you were watching that game, you saw that the Red Sox grind away, and they like to make contact. They hit home runs, too, for sure, but they've got... Some guys who are still there, who were there when they won the whole thing in 2018. And even though Mookie Betts is not there, there still is um, J.D. Martinez. Oh, he's good. There's Xander Bogarts. Oh, he's good. Rafael Devers is fully formed now. Oh, he's good. They've got others. And all around this town, if you've been watching the offenses for your teams especially the Cubs, obviously, who have been brutal before they broke out yesterday. You've wanted to see guys with good two-strike approaches, good contact hitter approaches. The Red Sox appear to be back to doing that. But the Cubs' breakout yesterday needs some discussion, and we'll do it right now. Guests coming up on this show, Joe Neeson, the longtime baseball journalist, has a new podcast out um, along with uh, the folks over at um, Religion of Sport, and it is... About mm, steroids. So we'll talk to uh, Joan about Crushed, that new podcast of hers. We'll talk to Casey Stern, who you see doing studio work with Turner in the postseason, hanging out with the likes of Jimmy Rollins and Pedro Martinez and such, and also does uh, work, obviously, for MLB Network Radio. We'll talk to Casey Stern. And expecting a conversation with Ellis Burks this first hour, the longtime MLB outfielder, real good in Colorado, real good in Boston at the beginning, and a tremendous year with the White Sox in the in the 90s. Did you know he wanted to stay here? He wanted to stay here. He would have signed for very, very little, but he was not offered much. So he went away to Colorado and had some great times in Colorado. Along the way, your phone calls are not merely welcome, but they are elemental to the very completion of the broadcast. So hop on in and dial it up at 312-644-6767. That's the number to get in. That's also the number that you can text me anything you want along the way. Later on, we'll do some blue pits. Also, some uh, little nuggets that need to get in. And damn it, I'm just the guy to do it. And much, much to discuss all around the game the uh, the Cubs' offensive breakout, when you slump like that, like they have been, it can drive you crazy. Every day, all day, you're thinking about it. Before and after games, David Ross being asked about it, and he says it's a long season. It's a long season. It's all you can say. But then Ross started to say some specific things. You've been listening over the last week. We can't be so reliant on the home run. And there all were the home runs yesterday. But there were also lots of other hits, too, yesterday. You can't be reliant on the home run. Got to change what you do. A couple things happened over the weekend. By the way, I love this from Anthony Rizzo on Friday. Rizzo asked, you know, as the team was sitting there completely dead in the offensive water, just looking horrific. Asked again post game what they can do. This is Rizzo after the game Friday. Uh, it's been a grind. It's been uh, been not fun to watch. Uh, it's it's a hitting's a contagious. Uh, it's contagious up there, and uh, you know we're we're grinding as a unit, and uh, we're in it as a unit. And when you're in these ruts, uh, you know when, when when we're all with the right mindset and uh, the right you know, work and everything going in. So we just got to keep swinging and and keep and somehow relax a little bit and just 
keep playing baseball. We gotta, we have a long way to go. Keep swinging and just relax a little bit. Somehow relax a little bit. Wilson Contreras has been absolutely locked in, and he continues to be locked in. He was a guy locked in when nobody else was over the course of the past week or so. And he's locked in again yesterday with the two home runs. And then everything started to happen. And you heard Rizzo say it can be contagious yesterday after the game. Ross talked about it being contagious. Bryant talked about it being contagious. As long as they believe it and they feel it, that's what matters. And also, Bryant talked about Contreras, said seeing Wilson be this passionate and have success has been really cool. His, um, his energy matters, and it has mattered for them. Yesterday, they all were just bombing the ball. Bryant destroying it. Bodie with a huge hit. That double. If you thought that David Bodie double felt like a big hit, and it also felt unfamiliar with Hayward on second, and Bodie doubles him home off a 99-mile-an-hour fastball, hits it to the gap. It was a big hit, and it was unfamiliar because the Cubs were 0 for 17 with runners in scoring position before that, dating back to Monday. 0 for their last 17. As a team with runners in scoring position, they continue to be dead last. Hit a buck 28. Three teams are under 200. The Cubs, the Indians, the D-backs. With runners on, the Cubs are dead last in batting average. Innings seven, eight, nine, and extras, the Cubs are dead last in batting average. It's a matter of approach. It's great to see the home runs. They have been home run or bust for several years. We've known this. So, no, I don't see this yesterday and say, oh, they're back, baby. But the confidence matters. The feeling of contagion matters. And I'll tell you what matters even more is approach and how you're thinking about what you're doing and seeing some good results from that. I'm going to get to Tony La Russa in a couple of minutes and something he did yesterday um, and something Rick Hahn has to continue to do in, in, in regards to Tony La Russa. But as we stay on the Cubs here, I want you to listen to Ron Coomer talk about the first two Javier Baez at-bats yesterday. Okay? I want you to, want you to listen to that, and we'll get to it in a second. Because during this slump, as you grind, you have to change what you're doing. Are you taking a lot of pitches early? Be aggressive instead. Are you trying to pull it with authority and elevate it all the time? How about going the other way? Just try to make hard contact the other way. My God, that's what the Red Sox bats do. If you're sitting fastball and you're adjusting to off speed, maybe sit off speed. See if you can be fast enough to foul fastballs off. So, you know, you have to change what you do. So rather than getting sucked in to a home run barrage and saying, they're back, baby, here they are, I, I, I need to see changes in approach, changes in thought process. That's kind of the key stuff that you're trying to look for as you stay locked in on the individual's. And I think we saw it a little bit yesterday with Baez. So the moments like that will give me some, um, some confidence towards the big picture. Not just the home run barrage, because we've all seen that. But listen to Coomer talking about the first two Baez at bats. If you didn't see the first Baez at bat, he fouled one off down the right field line. 
And then he singled in that at bat up the middle, but towards the right of second base. So Oppo, and we've known for years, Javi's got to look opposite field. Joe Madden got it into his head and it helped. But man, it has been brutal and hideous to watch Javi so far. But yesterday, though that at bat that I'm just describing came, and then later on came the huge home run. Listen to Ron Coomer talk about the two at bats together. So you've got a, a long line drive foul ball right down the right field line, just foul. And then he takes a pitch away and hit a bullet back through the middle, but on the right side of the diamond. Very hard. Now his next at bat, so that means to me, as a hitter, his timing is getting better, right? He's letting the ball get to him. You know, things are progressing in the right direction. Now his next at bat, he gets the hanging slider in the middle of the plate. And instead of pulling off and swinging and missing or hooking it way foul, he's able to keep it fair and hit that ball out of the ballpark to straight left field. You know, when you start looking at how one at bat affects the next one and your timing of why you do certain things, we're seeing it with Javi right here in the first two AB. And that indicates sometimes there's a gradual sequence Correct. that's almost necessary to get your timing back. That's, that's exactly right. So that's Coombe and Pat Hughes in the middle of that game talking about those first couple of Javi at-bats. It was a... It was about a half inning after the home run, and Coombe was looking down, realized what he had seen, and that's a big, big deal. I want to see Javi go the other way. Uh, I want to see Javi just try to put good wood on the ball. Desperately want to see that. It has been brutal to watch him specifically uh, be just completely situationally unaware, down five runs, down six runs, down seven runs, swinging for the fences on sliders low and away just drives you absolutely insane. And it has not been just him, obviously. It's been Bodie, too. Uh, Bodie benched for a couple of days in, uh, in, um, as Eric Sogard got a shot. And I was calling for that last week. Just give me contact guy. Give me If there's a guy, if it's Sogard, he's not a, a big run producer, obviously, but he's able to put the bat on the ball and go with that mindset, then give him to me. I don't know if Bodie mm, felt that a little bit as he was sat down for a couple of games this week or whatever it was. But good swings, good at bats by Bodie yesterday with the double clutch and then the big home run. And the Cubs are, you know, they're third in home runs around MLB with 20. 20. So they're third in home runs. They're still 28th out of 30 teams in RBIs and runs scored. That means there are a lot of solo shots. So look, wonderful day. Bank it. Feel good. Carry it over if you can. Don't get caught up. Hitters, please, in the home run barrage. Go for contact and try to keep that line moving when you can. Keep looking opposite field, and maybe, just maybe, a little more consistency could come. <laughs> so many textures getting in at 312-644-6767. I hate to be a downer, but they'll probably get shut out tonight. Here's another one. Uh, I'd like to see a week of solid hitting before I get too excited. Of course. Another. We've seen the same song and dance from the Cubs for the last three, four years. You think the offense is broken out. They score 14 runs. The next night, they can't scrap four hits together, and they get shut out. Another, I love Cub fans and the Chicago media. They have one good day and everything's fixed. I bet you $100 it's a two-hit shutout, the Braves pitchers today. Blind squirrel, acorn, yada, yada. Matt, please don't tell me you're falling for it. This is what the Cubs do. (laughs) No, man. See, they had this. Remember they had a game, what, a week ago where there were like, there were three homers. Pittsburgh. 
Yeah, the Pittsburgh game where they had a, they had a few homers in there in Pittsburgh, and it's like, oh, see, huh? No, and and me and Danny Parkins came on on Parkins and Spiegel on our first short show that afternoon, and I remember that day Danny was kind of excited, and I was like, Danny, this is what they do. We've seen this before. But yesterday, I did see some elemental things, which is why I wanted to play you Coomer on Baez. We did see hits in key situations, which is why I wanted to talk about Bodie's at bat after Hayward's at bat, and you hope that those kind of things. See, it's possible for approach to become contagious, for selflessness of approach to become contagious. And a boy can dream. Well, and it's also you have your star player back. I mean, Chris Bryant looks better than he has probably in about three years. And Wilson Contreras seems to be the catalyst. So they have two legit batters that are performing well. And now it's just can Rizzo have more consistent at bats? Can Bias have more consistent at bats? And then it's just about winning games at that point. It's not about scoring seven runs a game. It's just about scoring four. I think they have the third most wins in the MLB when they score four runs. Yeah, well, I, I, they hadn't scored... More than five runs until yesterday. Or I guess they had six. I think they had six once. And then they had what they had yesterday. Look, I wish I could go back and help the Cubs brass make some decisions a couple years ago, three years ago, and diversify the lineup in the way that we have always known that it needs to happen. But you can't. You have to deal with the people you have. So you have to continue trying to have that message get into their heads, to change what you do, to adjust and evolve with what you do. So can't give up trying on that. We've seen Baez have spells where he does that kind of thing and goes the other way and becomes uh, a more all-around hitter. Spells of it. And then he goes back to driver, driver, driver. So enjoy it while it happens. 312-644-6767 is the phone number. It's Spiegel here with you on Hit and Run. All right, look, um, sometimes in baseball, a general manager or the president of baseball operations or whatever the title may be, has to do things to undermine the manager. You have to roster-proof for your manager because they get hung up on certain things, and if you're going to give them full lineup control, then maybe you have to tweak that roster so they're unable to make some of the choices that will end up looking like mistakes. And I said directly this week, like I'm sure many of you did, boy, it's time for Rick Hahn to do something about Nick Williams. And he did get him away from Tony La Russa. So Tony is not tempted to play him. Tony's thing, and it's a lot of managers, in terms of how they rule the clubhouse, deal with the clubhouse, is it's about veterans. It's about who's earned what. And who deserves to play they're doing the right things if they've been around the league for a while if they've been a big leaguer they deserve to play because they've they've proven it to you and some of that philosophy has changed around mlb if you're young and you're good you play these days you don't wait your turn 
So we've seen that. And I think one of those things has been solved now with Nick Williams designated for assignment. He cleared waivers, by the way, so he'll go down to Schaumburg. So he could be back again at some point. Um, Billy Hamilton might be back at some point. I hope Adam Engel comes back before that because Engel's a guy I would like to see get some at-bats and certainly play on defense when Andrew Vaughn does not. But Andrew Vaughn's got to be out there. He can run, too. They've, they've got him going on the base paths now a few times, and he looks solid as a base runner. Beautiful hit-and-run moment with Nick Madrigal yesterday. So, look, it, 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 you have to take care of those things so your mean Mercedes ends up with opportunities to be in the lineup every day, and he should be. So Andrew Vaughn ends up with opportunities to play in left field most days, and he should. He looks fine out there defensively. Looks fine even played the monster okay a couple of times yesterday. I don't know how you take Jose Ruiz away from Tony La Russa. I don't exactly know how you do that other than to DFA him or do something like that. I don't know if that's feasible, but I do know that that guy, let's see, how many people are in the uh, bullpen? Nine? Yeah, that's the ninth best guy in your bullpen. Just had to do the quick math there. That's the last guy that anybody wants to see, and that includes his teammates. They're not super psyched to see Jose Ruiz go out there. Now, look, Cody Hoyer is the one who gives up the solo bomb to Marwin Gonzalez and then starts to tire and gives up a couple more base runners and some harder contact. But then Jose Ruiz is the guy who comes in and walks two people. I know it's a bloop double to Xander Bogarts down the right field line that jumps over that goofy little wall out there just shy of the right field foul pole. So you can't hate on Jose Ruiz for the bloop double, but I can sure hate on him for the two walks before that. Can I? Yes. And then I can hate on him because a real good hitter like Bogarts knows that he's going to get some strikes thrown his way because Ruiz is terrified to walk another guy. And it's just, it's, it's, it's not a good feeling when Jose Ruiz goes into the game. And it was still, still nut-cutting time there in Boston. It's a one-run game. You've got a lineup full of people who can, who can tie it up against a a, a Red Sox bullpen that is not really a strength. Matt Barnes coming out there. So I hated seeing Jose Ruiz. I'm not sure how you, hmm, not sure how uh, how you do it if you're Rick, but I sure would be figuring it out right now. Think about some other arms you could bring up there. Think about... Um, just kind of eliminating him from the mix. I don't know what the fascination is, but this is now two times. Have there been more than two? The other one I'll think of for Ruiz, obviously, is in Anaheim on the Sunday night after the opening series, the last game of the opening series, when Liam Hendricks didn't come in in a, in a tie ball game. He left Ruiz out there after Ruiz had gotten him one scoreless inning. You know, and then the Ruiz ends up giving up the ghost that Sunday night in Anaheim. That it, was Ruiz's fifth appearance. Okay. Uh, appeared twice against Seattle, once against Cleveland, and then uh, Boston and L.A. Hmm. So, but in terms of games of consequence, when, I mean, he is, he is your low leverage guy. Don't want to see him in high leverage. Don't need to. It's, it's rare to ask a general manager to roster-proof 
a team when the manager's already in the Hall of Fame? Hell, it's rare for the general manager to deal with a team when the manager's already in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> but my God, I think you need to. 312-644-6767 is the phone number. Hoping for a conversation with Ellis Burks this hour. Casey Stern at the top of the hour. Taking your phone calls and your texts at the aforementioned phone number as we talk White Sox, we talk Cubs. How else do you need to roster-proof this team for Tony if you're worried about that? And what else are you worried about? A couple of weeks into the season, Cub fans and White Sox fans. And look, if you're somebody who is buying the Cubs offensive breakout, let's hear it. I've given you a little bit of data on the side of buying it. Just a, not even data, really, but like thoughts, that Coomer anecdote about Baez going the other way, that look. But I assume that most of you are on the, yeah, show me. Go ahead and show me before I believe anything. Field. 312-644-6767 is the phone number. It's hit and a run with Spiegel on the score. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. again in the same inning, and again, cut loose. Burks goes deep left center again. Mitch Webster on the run. That ball is gone. He started the inning with a home run, and as the 10th batter of the inning, he rips a three-run homer. It's 9-0 Red Sox. Another of the Sox hottest hitters in April was Ellis Burks, back to his old form. Ellis led the club for the month with a healthy 338 average. So Ellis Burks in his first at bat against his former mates. Burks off to that good start at 346. No homers. He's knocked in three. Get out of here. Way back he can. Put it on the board. Yes. Over everything. Home run for Ellis Burks and the Sox lead in one and Hit and run with Matt Spiegel. Sundays, 9 a.m. to noon. Oh, that's fun to hear from the 1993 White Sox highlight video 
Hawk Harrelson, giving you play-by-play of our next guest's home run back at Fenway Park. It is Matt Spiegel here with you on Hit and Run on a Sunday morning. The score's venerable baseball show. And pleased to welcome in on the Alpamani Nissan hotline. Go to apnissan.com or check him out, Alpamani Nissan in Melrose Park. He is Ellis Burks, longtime excellent MLB outfielder, Red Sox, White Sox, Indians, Giants, Rockies. Did I get them all, Ellis? I think so. You got them all, buddy. You got them all. And let me ask you this. Yeah. How far, how deep did you have to dig in the archives to get those highlights, huh? <laughs> Seriously, those Red Sox ones sounded like they were on a Betamax tape or something. <laughs> I was like, holy cow. <laughs> but uh, you remember that home run as a member of the White Sox in 93 back at Fenway? That had to be pretty cool. 26,000 people. I think you got a standing ovation from your former uh, Red Sox fans as a member of the White Sox that day. Yeah, and I believe that was against uh, Danny Darwin. I remember that. Yes, sir. So that was that was pretty exciting for me to go back to Boston and uh, have success like that. Yeah. yeah, it was a good year for the White Sox, too. 94 wins, and you guys win a division. D- did I read this right, Ellis? Did you want to come back with the White Sox after that year? I did, but, you know, there were some issues that was, uh, you know, contractual issues, and, you know, I actually ended up signing with the Rockies, a three-year deal. I think I was uh, I was asking for a two year contract or, or something like that. I couldn't remember, but mm-hmm. it was it was unfortunate. I love Chicago. I, I love the fan base there. When I was there, it was it was awesome playing for the guys, the teammates there. I mean, it, that was one of the best times I've had with all those guys. I mean, it was unbelievable. It was yeah. Tell tell me because that that mix. I mean, that's Frank Thomas. That's Ozzie Guillen. That's Robin Ventura. That's Tim Rock Reigns too. That's a fun group, right? Yeah, yeah, it was awesome. And, uh, you know, you had Bo Jackson on there also who, you know, a lot of people don't realize how funny Bo Jackson is. <laughs> and he would have us in stitches every day. Really? Yeah. Oh, no. yeah. Yeah. See, I, I, I don't know. Did you ever see an athlete better than Bo in your lifetime? I mean, I don't know if I have, but. No, I mean, that's it, hard to say. Bo was, you know, unbelievable, man. I mean. And the guy, you know, he told me one time that he never lifted weights. I'm like, are you are you kidding me? There, there's no way you have a body like that and never lift weights. Right. I, I, but, I mean, the guy was chiseled like a Greek god, you know, and, uh, and and just could run like a deer, had the power. It was unbelievable. And, and and a lot of people, you know, his arm was one of the best arms in the league. Yeah. Oh, my God. I, I, I still remember the throw to get Harold Reynolds at the plate, I think, that he made as a Mariner. Um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's, we all have our Bo Jackson memories that are just locked locked in the head. Um, Ellis, Burks, oh, yeah. Ellis Burks these days is part of the uh, the Nesson team doing some pregame and postgame stuff for the Red Sox out there along with who? Kevin Euclid and I know Jim Rice has been there a while, Tim Wakefield. Mo, Mo Vaughn. Oh, man. I, I, uh, Mo, Mo was my guy. I, I, Mo, Mo was my guy. As, as, well, I Actually, you were my guy, Ellis. Let, let's be honest. Uh, let's be honest. I appreciate about that. that. <laughs> I now I, I told you this story in person when the when I met you at Wrigley when you were there working as a scout. But uh, yeah. I, I was a kid in the Fenway Bleachers, going to see that that outfield eighty nine ninety. You and Greenwell and Benzinger, and I was there with my buddy, and we're screaming at you as you're warming up. You're wearing number twelve, and my buddy was right. a Dolphin fan, so he's like Ellis. Ellis, you're number 12. You're Bob Greasy. You're Bob Greasy. <laughs> and and you turned around, Ellis, and pointed at us and said, no, 
I'm Roger Staubach, is what you said. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I'm a big Cowboy fan. I always have been and always will be. I don't know why, but it just stuck with me. <laughs> there it is. And so were you a football guy, too, in high school? Were you playing football? No, I didn't play football in high school. The coach wanted me to, but I stuck with uh, baseball and, and I ran track as well. Ah, there it is. Um, Ellis, in your years as a scout, what did you, what did you learn about about ball players? And because you you were a scout for a few different teams, for Indians in there, I think for the Giants um, as well. What did you learn about about trying to figure out which ball players might be might be the goods and and which ones might not be? Well, you know, as a scout, you never know what you're going to get. You always want to go on your own opinion. You don't necessarily want to, you know, uh, go on someone else's opinion because at any given time that player can have just one terrible day when one, when scout is there and all of a sudden he has, he forms his own opinion about the kid. But I like to see a player not only, you know, for two or three times, I like to go back and watch him again, maybe a week or two later because he may have had a bad streak at that time and, you know, anything can happen, and I just I just love watching players play the way they set up, and, and you know that shows me a lot about a guy the way he practices, hmm. and uh, I, I just look at it all. Were you a guy as a hitter, um, Ellis, that, that you sat on off speed pitches and adjusted to fastball, or were you a guy oh, you, sitting on fastball adjusting to off speed? What was your approach? Yeah. There's no way you can sit on off speed and adjust to a fastball, especially at the velocity these kids are throwing nowadays. Uh, you know, the average is like 94 to 95 miles an hour, especially coming out of the bullpen. I think Chicago White Sox lead the league as far as velocity out of the pen at like 96, 97 miles per hour. Mm-hmm. So there's no way you can sit on a breaking ball and expect to even make any sort of contact with a fastball. So my philosophy was always – sit on a fastball and make the adjustment to a breaking ball. I think at uh you know any given time you can you can you know the pitcher and you know the break that he's throwing well the pitch that he's throwing and wh- where it's going to break. Um so that was my philosophy just look heater and adjust anything off speed. Well, it's interesting cuz there's a there's a couple guys Tim Anderson um, has said that his adjustment was to sit off speed and maybe not full slow curveball, but maybe slider, and then trust his hands to at least like just foul off heaters or make contact right. the other way on heaters. So, it, well, that, some, it, some players can get away with it, I'm sure, but I've never been one to do so. Um, the yeah. guys that I've always, uh, you know, talked with and. You know, a lot of the players back in the day, I, I listened to how, the, you know, their approaches and whatnot, and that was always the case. But um, maybe, you know, with certain counts he's looking for, mm-hmm. you know, off speed, and he's just going to adjust to a fastball and try to foul it off. But overall, yeah. you're going up there looking dead red. You're trying to put some damage on the board, and uh, the heater is the best pitch to hit. And you can make you can hit a mistake pitch like a breaking ball, a hanging breaking ball, or a slider that just didn't snap off at the end. You're gonna you're gonna shoot that to right field or whatnot, or that hanging pitch. You're gonna you know pull it and hit it over the wall or whatever. But uh, more more so than none, you're gonna definitely be looking heater. What what gave you the most difficulty <laughs> as a hitter, uh, Ellis? What kind of pitches gave you the most difficulty? Um, you know. Off-speed guys, soft tossers that just like a Jamie Moyer, a Jimmy Key type of pitcher, <laughs> those guys, you know, they just got in, in my crawl, man, for some reason. And they just, uh, you know, the off-speed, they just wouldn't let up. You go from slow, slower to slowest. 
and it was unbelievable how a guy can throw 85 miles an hour, then all of a sudden drop you a changeup or fastball at 70s. And I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> but that gave me the most trouble. But the pitch that gave me the most problems was that split finger. And I don't think they throw as many splits as they do, I mean, as they did back then. But that split finger, because it's bad on the elbow. It's, it's tougher on a pitcher's arm. Hmm. And uh, I don't think they're throwing it as much as they used to back then with Roger Craig, you know, bringing that into the Giants and the National League. And then all of a sudden you have uh, every pitcher that came out of the bullpen was, was throwing a, a split. Yeah. But I think it's more yeah. change-ups now. Um, you know, definitely the sliders, hard sliders. The velocity is crazy nowadays. I, I just – it's hard for me to fathom how much stronger and more flexible a pitcher's arm is to – to uncoil a fastball at 100 miles an hour on a regular basis. And, and everybody's got them. It, it's all over the game. Yeah. It's, it's constant. And it leads, to, uh, it, it leads to a quality of game that can, be, that can be tough to watch sometimes. There's like, I think yesterday in that Red Sox-White Sox game, there was a point where there's like, struck out the side, and then somebody else struck out the side, and then there's the solo homer. And it's like, that, that's really, yeah. that's all we have sometimes. It's, it, it's frustrating. Are you, are you a fan at all of some of these rule changes that are being discussed to try and get some action back into the game? I don't mind it. I mean, it's something that, you know, which, the, the rule that I like the most is, you know, when you bring a reliever in, he has to face at least three batters. You're not going back and forth, you know, uh, three or four trips to the mound, changing pitchers, you know, pinch hitters and this and that. This pitcher has to face at least three guys, and, and that can either help you or hurt you. It's just uh, it's a matter of, uh, you know, the manager picking his spots and finding, okay, I have three lefties in a row, so I'm going to go with this lefty out of our pen. So, hey, that, that's a smart move right there. I also like the fact that, you know, in extra innings, you know, you throw a guy on second base, start off the inning, you know, just to speed up the game a little bit. But the one thing, um, as far as, you know, everyone's talking about the speed of the game, try to speed it up. You know, when you have all of these calls by the umpires that, you know, when they do instant replay, you see that it's a strike or you see that he's out, you see that he's safe or whatever. And all of a sudden, it's like every other play, you're, you're stopping the game for this replay, and half the time they don't even get it right. Yeah. It's unbelievable. The, the last I've watched like three or four games um, where umpires have made the mistake, and you see that it's a mistake, and they still get it wrong. Like the Atlanta Braves last Sunday night, I believe they played somebody Sunday night, and the guy was yep clearly out at the plate, and I think it was Philly. Yeah, it was. It was, was clearly I, it was, out at the plate. Yeah. Uh, Alec yeah. Alec Bohm, his foot never touched the home plate. He never touched the plate, and they go to they they call New York and get the replay, and they still didn't get it right. I know it, it, it's it's crazy. We've been talking a lot about it. I think they might have to limit the amount of time that they give. Like if you can't see it in thirty seconds, then just go ahead and make the call. Like, go don't don't yeah. sit over there and just pour over it and again and again and again because you're you're bound to get it yeah. wrong. Um, and I mean, I, for the most part. <clears throat> I think for the most part they they're getting it right, but it's still you, you're trying to speed up the game, but you're actually slowing it down. Mm, Six seventy, the score is where you are. It's Matt Spiegel here with you on Hit and Run on a Sunday morning. So, um, two thousand four, Ellis, you're back with the Red Sox after starting there and then having those great years in Colorado, the good year here in Chicago, but back with the Red Sox hurt much of the year. 
but there for the playoff run and and the World Series. And I read a story about Pedro Martinez on the team flight back from St. Louis, where he was talking to the team and called you the old goat. Is is is, is yeah. this true that he was calling you the old goat? That's what he called me the whole year. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and, and the thing about it, you know, I was a, the oldest veteran on the team. You know, when I spoke, it was like E.F. Hudden people listened. So that was one of the things that I really, you know, admired about the team. They listened to everyone. You know, everyone, you know, listened. If, if I had some advice, they were there. You know, they were all ears open. So, you know, when Pedro spoke on the plane on the way back, and, you know, he says, you know, this guy has been with us the whole year. He never bailed. <clears throat> you know, uh, he was there for us physically, mentally, emotionally. And I think it would be an honor for us if he could carry off the trophy. And, you know, that meant a lot to me simply because, you know, I wasn't there on the field physically all the time as far as playing. But trust me, I wanted to be out there. And it was just one of those things, man, where that meant a lot to me coming from a guy like Pedro Martinez and, and the rest of the club to uh, give me the honor to, to bring that off. So you walked off the plane onto the steps with the trophy, and there was a crowd there at the airport at yeah. the time. How, yeah. What was that moment like, Ellis? It was unbelievable. It was something that I, and I, I've always wanted to be in a World Series. I always wanted to be that hero, but I, I never got an opportunity Made the playoffs several times, but never got a chance to get to the World Series. And then I get to the World Series, and I can't play because of injury. But uh, how? W- what other better way to do it than to be able to carry the trophy off, the first one off the plane, and the fans acknowledge? And it was awesome. It was a great feeling for me. And I, you know, I have a, a big photo at home framed um, with that uh, picture coming off like that, and it felt good, man. It felt really good. That's awesome. That's absolutely awesome. Um, Ellis, these Red Sox for real? Uh, uh, offensively? I mean, this is the same, it's a lot of the same batch other than Mookie that obviously made it the World Series and won the World Series. They know what they're doing with yeah. two with two strikes. Even the sluggers know what they're doing with two strikes. I admire that. Yeah, anytime you can get a group of players that can, you know, battle you at the plate, foul off tough pitches, wait on that pitcher to make a mistake, all of a sudden he makes a mistake and they bloop it in or they line drive, base hit in the outfield. Um, you know, there's little things that, that this team is doing right now. I mean, it's early in the season, but they look great. Um, and, the, and the same thing with the White Sox. I watched the game yesterday. It was a great game. Um, you know, it's just you go to the seventh inning, you're tied 3-3, you go in the eighth inning, and all of a sudden one mistake is made, and that mistake, cost the uh, White Sox the game and, and gave the Red Sox the edge and, and went on to win the game. And then, you know, after that, there was a you know a couple of walks here and there, and, and they just kind of opened it up. But, you know, it's always one mistake. And if you can limit your, your mistakes throughout the game, you're going to have success. And the way they're playing right now, they're having a lot of success, especially the 0-3 start. When you start off, you know, 0-3 at home at Fenway, it's like, wow, everyone just thought, this is it, we're done. We're gonna. You might as well just call it in. But all of a sudden, they go out and win seven, eight, nine in a row, and and, and it's unbelievable. Yeah, my dad Guys jumped are together, my dad picking jumped, each other up. My dad jumped ship. Longtime Red Sox fan, Herb Spiegel, jumped ship at zero and three. I got to call him back. Tell him to get back on board. 
yeah. Ellis, a pleasure. There you go, man. Thank you so much, Ellis. Thanks for doing it. Nice to talk to you. And nice for White Sox fans to hear you as well, man. Appreciate it. You too, man. Take care, man. Thanks for having me on. You got it. That's Ellis Burks, longtime MLB outfielder, former Red Sox, former White Sox. Yeah, he wanted to stay here. After a real good year in 93, wanted just a... Just a little two-year deal. Didn't get it. Went to Colorado. Had some unbelievable years in Colorado. Uh, saw this trivia nugget. Um, Rafael Devers of the Red Sox. And remember, the White Sox wanted him in the Chris Sale trade. They wanted Devers in Kopech. Why a Red Sox said, no, Mancata instead. Now, Mancata looks like it'll be fine. Devers is a beast, though. So, Rafael Devers has hit 100 home runs as a member of the Red Sox before the age of 25. Only two other people have ever done that. As a member of the Red Sox, 100 homers before the age of 25. Their names are Babe Ruth and Ted Williams. (laughs) It's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. Great company. Yeah, it's pretty good. I like the one that you you tweeted out, though, to tease Ellis Burks. Yes. You know, I'll throw that out now, and if anybody did not see it, you can think about it during the break, and I'll answer it in a moment when we come back. Of all the players who have hit at least one home run for the Red Sox and the White Sox, Ellis Burks is sixth with 121 homers. Who are the top five? Looking for members of the Sox, red and white, who've homered at least once for each team, the top five in home runs. Think about it. I'll give you the answer when we come back on Hit and Run in 670 the score. Carlton Fisk facing Bob Stanley. Hey, here it goes! Get out of Please get me! Holy cow! Carlton Fisk has put the White Sox ahead. A line drive. I was afraid it might not get up high enough. And the White Sox lead. Look at this. Look at this. Holy Here's your God. face in there. <laughs> he hit a low break. Look at the White Sox dugout. Woo! Hey! Oh, look at Eddie Einhorn. That's what we Charlie him. Lupin almost jumped out on the field. Einhorn said that's what we bought him for. Jimmy Pearsall and Harry Carey on the call for a big-time Carlton Fisk home run. That is number one on the list of players who have hit at least one home run with the Red Sox and the White Sox. In terms of their totals for those teams, Carlton Fisk, 376. Number two... Manny Ramirez, only one with the White Sox, but that counts. 274 with the Red Sox, so 275 total. Kevin Euclid, the aforementioned Kevin Euclid, because he's working with Ellis Burks and others on Nesson out there. Euke, 148 homers as a member of the Red Sox and the White Sox combined. He had 15 that year, did Euclid. There were moments where it was like, oh, Yuke, the Greek god of walks, getting done. This is going back to the Manny uh, tidbit, though. Do you know what uh, day it was when he hit that home run? He was wearing the green White Sox jersey, so it was like halfway to St. Patrick's <laughs> Day. Uh, and and the Red Sox have worn those green ones on uh, 
Uh, I, when did they? They wore those green ones for a little while. How about the Red Sox yellow ones yesterday? The UCLA Red Sox, ladies and gentlemen. I don't mind it. Uh, it was kind of cool looking. It's for a cool cause. It is their city uniform, and those are the colors of the finish line of the Boston Marathon. So it is a reminder of Boston Strong. It's still just a little awkward not to see those glorious uh, Red Sox home unis. Um, third Eucalyptus, fourth Vern Stevens way back in the day, 126, and A.J. Przinsky had four as a member of the Red Sox and 118 as a member of the White Sox, so he's at 122. Bonus for you, Carl Everett. Still doesn't believe in dinosaurs, but believed in home runs enough to get 86 as a member of the White Sox and Red Sox combined. We have um, uh, now the information on who's going to pitch for the White Sox in the second game this evening, and it is Jonathan Stever. Jonathan Stever will be brought up from the alternate site there in Schaumburg. He made a start last September against the Tigers through three and two-thirds innings. Struck out three, gave up a couple of hits and one run. He will make a start tonight. We'll see if he's stretched out to go a little bit further than that. Um, only a seven-inning game here in the in the doubleheader. But, um, yeah. And then we can look at other options there on the Schomburg side if we want to for people not named Jose Ruiz, if you'd like. Um, I don't think Renato Lopez is ready to be used in short relief just yet. Zach Birdie is there, obviously. Tehran Guerrero. Ryan Burr, I mean, I would just like to eliminate Jose Ruiz and just use the other guys. Yeah, but Tehran Guerrero would become Tony Lewis's favorite guy because he throws 100 and he has MLB experience. Any of these guys have a chance to get used and frustrate you. Any of them. Pick one. Jacob Lindgren. He will frustrate you because he's not the other guys. Any of these guys would be the ninth person in that bullpen. And Tony would use them because that's what he does. Ah, But it's too many. It's the score. It is hit and run. Lots of time for your phone calls and your texts at 312-644-6767. Coming up next, we'll talk with Casey Stern, longtime baseball host on both Sirius XM Radio and on Turner TV during the postseason. We'll do that next on Hit and Run here on The Score. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? You spend only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Oh, oh. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.